Okay, so <clears throat> in uh, the last uh, video I made, we talked about uh, Judas, and now we're going to talk about the difference between Peter and Judas. Okay. <clears throat> There's a lot going on here. Matthew tells a tale of, as it happened, so we're jumping back and forth between various events. So far, I have not spoken about the physical suffering that Jesus experienced, beginning with his arrest. I will continue to put that off until another pass, another message. This time, instead, we will concentrate on Peter and Judas. In the book of Acts, Luke describes the fate of Judas in these terms. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. <clears throat> he fell head first and burst open in the middle and all his insides spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that in their own language, that field is called Hekeldama, that is field of blood, Acts chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is not necessarily incompatible with Matthew's account, I'll warn you that there are some gruesome thoughts in this paragraph. Here's one way to reconcile the two. It may be that the body of Judas hung unattended until it began to decompose. Then whenever it fell down, it burst open. It would be a normal sort of thing to happen. At that point, the field in which it had happened it happened would have been for Jews ceremonially contaminated by the contact with the dead body. For the Jewish religious leaders, the ideal solution to both the money, which they couldn't use for themselves or the treasury, and the contamination would be to buy the field as a burial ground for foreigners since it was no good to Jews anyway. The one slight variation to this theory could be that when Judas went to hang himself, he did so at the edge of some sort of cliff. And instead of succeeding, the rope broke and he fell to his death. <clears throat> After that, the same logic takes over for the rest of it. In any case, I don't think we have to imagine the entire sequence of Judas as happening on the very same night when Jesus was tried. I believe Matthew included it here to wrap up the history of what happened to him. But I tend to think it did not all occur on the same day Jesus was crucified. After all, the religious leaders were busy with that and then with the Sabbath, and that it is doubtful that they would have taken time to debate about what to do with the money on that very day. I would say it is likely that Judas changed his mind and committed suicide within a week or two of Jesus' crucifixion. A lot of people use the passage to rehabilitate Judas, so to speak. They point out that Judas felt regret because he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. Using that, many people speculate that Judas betrayed Jesus because he thought that the betrayal would provoke Jesus into some spectacular action that would then prove he was the Messiah. In other words, Judas really believed in Jesus and just thought he needed a little push to start the war with the Romans. The argument boils down to this. Judas had really good intentions and just went out about it the wrong way. However, both John and Luke tell us that it was Satan who motivated Judas to portray Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 27. Luke chapter 22, verse 3. 
I think that pretty conclusively ends the arguments that he was just a misunderstood man with good motives. <clears throat> I don't think it is an accident that Matthew puts the story of Peter's betrayal next to the story of Judas' end. We have very important similarities and also very important contrasts between the two disciples. It's true that Judas' betrayal is premeditated. Jesus gave him at least two opportunities that very night to repent. However, he could say the same thing about Peter. Jesus warned Peter about what was coming. When Peter denied Jesus the first time, he might say it was the heat of the moment. But there was time before his next denial and time again before the third. After each one, Peter might have reconsidered. He too was given every chance to do it differently. And yet he too, in his own way, betrayed Jesus. So it was different. Why is it that Judas committed suicide while Peter went on to become the leader of Jesus' church? It boils down to the essence of what the Bible teaches, repentance and faith. By the way, before we get into this, let me say that I am not talking in general about people who commit suicide. I'm talking about Judas specifically. Well, you know, people who do commit unaliving themselves do betray God instead of coming to faith in him and they unalive themselves so I'll say that let's start with repentance Matthew says that Judas felt remorse for what he did the word is metatelethius it is only used six times in the New Testament the HCSB translated three times as changed his mind. Here as remorse and twice as regretted. The ESV translates here as changed his mind. Though it is related, it is not the same as repentance. At some level, Judas felt bad about what he had done. So bad, in fact, that he committed suicide. But in all his bad feelings, he never turned back to Jesus. He regretted, but not repented. Regret eats away at you. It doesn't help you change or lead to anything positive. You just sit there wishing you had done differently. Regret means you wish it hadn't happened, but it doesn't mean you are sorry or that you're willing to change. That is why regret is one of my favorite words used by polit one of the favorite I'm sorry, one of the favorite your words used by politicians in meaningless apologies over and over. You hear some politician caught in a scandal say something like I regret what happened, or I regret that people were hurt. This isn't the same thing as saying, I'm sorry, or it is my fault, please forgive me, or I'm going to change. Since both Luke and John tell us that Ju Judas was deeply influenced by Satan, I think we can assume that this regret was deepened, worsened, and played, a uh, played on demonically over and over. There may be something else too. The regret Judas was focused on the fact that he had done something wrong. Maybe you can put it this way. Okay. Peter sat thinking, I have betrayed Jesus. Judas sat there thinking, I have betrayed Jesus. What I'm getting at is this. It could be that Judas was more upset about the fact that he screwed up than the fact that it was a sin against Jesus. For Judas, it was about himself. He had regret, but not repentance. Did not humble himself before God. Though he regretted the incident deeply, there is no evidence that he repented. For Peter, 
It was that he had hurt the man he had come to know and love. The point wasn't that he screwed up. Peter might have been used to that by now, but he had hurt Jesus. He wasn't just sorry that he had made a mistake. He was sorry that he hurt his Lord. Regret is self-focused, but repentance is God-focused. By the way, some of you have mentioned that I seem to enjoy picking on Peter. Actually, Peter is a hero. Seems to mess up more than any of the disciples, but he's my hero because <clears throat> what he does after he makes mistakes. Every time he repents, he goes back to Jesus in humility and faith. It's not about how often you fall down. It's about what you do after you fall. Okay? And that is something to look upon when it comes to Peter. Okay? Because with Peter, you know, he represents a lot of us. Okay? Sometimes we could be proud, we could be arrogant, we could be, uh, we could have all types of shortcomings. But if we're willing to come to God and, and we take that opportunity, we can't come to God when we screw up. He'll help, Jesus will help us to be better than we were before. Okay? You just got to be willing to repent. Okay? Now, here's something else about... Uh, Judas, but before I go into Judas, I want to talk about Peter more, okay? Peter screwed up a lot, okay? He screwed up, a lot, and even Paul had to check him at one point, all right? He had to check him because when the Gentile, when the Jews were around, he made sure the Gentiles were around. He would talk to the Jews about Jesus, but when... um the Gentiles were around. He made sure the Jews weren't around so he could talk to them about Jesus. And Paul had to check him on that because of the simple fact that, you know, the the Jews, you know, due to the corrupt leadership, they planted in, every, in the Jewish people's mind that they were better than the Gentiles. Okay. So Peter, okay, had to be checked by Paul. Okay. But even then, you know, Peter came back on top. He repented, all right? Came back on top, and he was better than ever, okay, following Jesus, okay? And that, and that is something that is beautiful with repentance, all right? So let's uh let's let's uh let's check that out. Okay, let me let me show you what I'm talking about right now. All right. One second. Here we are. Okay. All right. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Paul confronts Peter. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had opposed him to face 
to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he's when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of circumcision from those people who insisted on the, necess the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish leaders followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. See what I'm saying here? This, this, this is not right. All right. So Peter was uh, Peter was not doing was not doing right. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and living are living like a Gentile, why are you trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we obeyed the law, for no one will ever be right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we speak to be made right with God and through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us to sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of the law, I really tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. Stop trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave me himself, gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, there was no need for Christ to die. Okay. So Paul had to check Peter. All right. Now, here's something that uh, is shocking. Let's check out this one right here about Judas. All right. Very much tells us about basically what it's like to love God and mammon and what's the end result. Judas was the treasurer. Judas Iscariot was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. John chapter 12, verse 6. Has it ever struck you as odd that Jesus put a thief in charge of his money bag? Of all the disciples, Jesus chose Judas to be treasurer of his inherent nonprofit. One is tempted to offer the Lord some counseling on good stewardship. Donors were financially supporting this ministry. Luke chapter 8 verse 3 and one guy who jesus knew was the devil who, who was a devil john chapter 6 verse 70 was made cfo now jesus was not ignorant of judas's pilfering so why did he let him manage the money i believe jesus was putting his putting was putting his money where his mouth was he said do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth 
where thieves break in and steal. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. So he showed us by example what he meant. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. So he showed us the heart hardening, heart blinding, heartbreaking end of treasuring the wrong thing. He said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. So he showed us an unnerving example of what loving money and hating God can look like. Shockingly, for quite a while, it can actually look like look to others like devotion to God. Judas was known as Jesus' disciple. He was mostly saying and performing the right things. So even the other disciples didn't seem to suspect him. John chapter 13, verses 20 to 29. It was grievous blow when Judas' subterranean idolatry surfaced. With Judas and the money bag, Jesus was modeling for us. We're not to put our trust money. We're not to put our trust in money. So Esau trusted his father to provide everything he needed to fulfill his call, that he was not afraid of a money shortage. He slept in peace, even knowing that Judas was embezzling. That is going to be hard for a lot of us uh, when our resources are shortened due to... <clears throat> the uh what's coming <clears throat> okay and many of us unfortunately will go in the way of judas instead of the way of peter the way of christ because peter followed christ even though he messed up judas on the other hand became the poster child of first timothy chapter 6 verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus doesn't intend for us to follow his example in pointing, appointing a thieves as treasurers. Only God is wise enough to do that. But he does intend for us to follow his example, seeking the kingdom first and believing that all we need will be given unto us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom luke chapter 12 verse 32 and our father can easily outgive what any thief can steal and as a thing not a difference between uh peter and judas is the fact that you know um judas was the son of perdition. Okay. And um, what does that mean? Okay. It means um, <clears throat> in the Greek, apoleias, the original Greek word translated of perdition means destruction or of ruin. So son of perdition means, son of perdition means the son of destruction or ruin. Okay. Okay, Judas Iscariot, who after betraying Jesus, Jesus committed suicide instead of repenting and went to hell for everlasting destruction. Okay. And the thing is like, the sad thing is about this is the fact that Judas was, <clears throat> this was his destiny. All right. This was his destiny. Uh, 
basically he was a a warning <clears throat> for us. In New Testament, Judas is, is said three times to somehow fulfill the Old Testament. First John chapter 13, verse 18, okay, quotes Psalm 41, verse 9, in which Jesus says of Judas, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me. All right. That's the ESV version. Along with this passage, 17, verse 12, chapter 17, verse 12, quotes no particular verse in which Jesus says of the disciples and then Judas, I have guarded them and had not one of them have been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Okay. That's the ESV version. As John gives no specific quotation in John chapter 17, verse 12, we are left to assume that the readers would have recalled the earlier quotation of Psalm 40, chapter 41, verse 9. In John chapter 13, verse 18, Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, may have been a reference by David to Ethiphal. Though once a friend, a trusted counselor, Ethiphal betrayed David by joining Absalom, had his advice to defeat David, rejected by Absalom, and perhaps seeing his looming demise by David, hanged himself. Second Samuel chapter 16, verses 20 to 17. Just as Ethiphal ate David's bread and lifted his heel against him, so also Judas ate bread with Jesus in the upper room, betrayed him to his enemies, and later hanged himself as well. Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. The second and third fulfillment are noted in one verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 20, records quotations from Psalm 69, verse 25, and Psalm 109, verse 8. In Peter's description of Judas' end and what the apostles were to do with the vacancy he had left among the apostles, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office, the ESV version. As to Psalms chapter 69, verse 25, David is praying one of many curses in this psalm against his enemies. David prayed that their camp would become desolate and vacant. Peter modified the plural reference to become a singular reference to Judas. In the context of Acts, this curse in Acts chapter 1, verse 20, find its fulfillment in the death of Judas, as explained by the parenthetical comment in Acts chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. Judas acquired a field with the money given to him after betraying Jesus. Perhaps the Jewish leaders bought a field in Judas' name with 30 pieces of silver had returned to him. Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 to 10. Not only did he hang himself there, fall headlong and burst open on its grounds, but it was also used as a burial ground for strangers, certainly a desolate place where no one would dwell. Matthew chapter 27, Verse seven. As to Psalm chapter one hundred nine, verse eight, David began pray, began prayer. Um, David again prays many curses upon his enemies. That one would take office of an enemy implied that the enemy had died by the judgment of God for opposing the Lord's anointed King. Psalm chapter one hundred nine, verse eight. May his days be few. Judas became. The enemy of Jesus found his days to be few by hanging himself and was thus to have another 
take his office as one of the 12 disciples. In each of the Psalms, chapter 41, 69, and 109, what is the nature of their being fulfilled? In the life of Judas, did David knowledgeably speak of Judas' betrayal 1,000 years before it happened? As David spoke of Ethiopia, did God intend with these words something David did not anticipate, a second meaning to be fulfilled by Judas? In answering these questions, necessary to remember that each of the Psalms is written by King David and spoke of his enemies. The context involved Israel's king and who's opposed him. Many Psalms have applied to Jesus and his experience was similar to David. As Jesus is the Messiah and the greatest of Israel's kings, one might say that as a Psalm also described an experience of Jesus, the Psalm thus found its greatest significance in being applied to him. Whether or not David knew that his words about himself as Israel's king would be applied to the Messiah is something sometimes hard to discern. Certainly his words would have applied to whomever he intended, whether himself or the Messiah to come. And even if it meant for some Psalms only to apply to himself as seen by quotations in the New Testament Psalms. In the New Testament, sorry. Psalms could be fulfilled in that they could be applied to a situation involving Jesus as well. This being said, the Psalms quoted above apply to Judas seem to follow the pattern of how the Psalms can apply to Jesus. I'm sorry, <clears throat> let me read that again. This being said, the Psalms quoted about quoted above that apply to Judas seem to follow the pattern of how the Psalms can apply to Jesus. The original meaning of the Psalms did in its original context, and they now have a greater significance as some of them may be applied to the events that involved our Lord. Psalm chapter 69 is especially helpful along these lines. Many verses from this Psalm find significance in the life of Jesus, just as David experienced the events written therein. So also did Jesus see John chapter 15, verse 25 with Psalm chapter 69 verse 4 john chapter 2 verse 17 with psalm chapter 69 verse 9 and romans chapter 15 verse 3 with psalm chapter 69 verse 9 john cha uh, chapter 19 verse 28 with psalm 69 verse 21 and acts chapter 1 verse 20 with psalm chapter 69 verse 25 other verses from this psalm did um find significance in the life of jesus as they may be applied to his enemies as well. As seen in Acts chapter 1, verse 20, applies Psalm chapter 69, verse 25 to Judas, also because a partial hardening has come upon Israel. Romans chapter 11, verse 25, and the nation has rejected the gospel. Israel can presently be described as God's enemy, and thus fits the description in Psalms chapter 69 as well. See Romans chapter 11, verses 9 to 10, with Psalm chapter 69, verses 22 to 23. So how does Judas fulfill the description above from Psalms chapter 41, 69, and 109? David prayed for curses upon those who opposed the king of Israel, as Judas and even Israel itself opposed King Jesus. So also they too would find themselves fulfilling these curses in God's power, in God's answer to David's inspired prayers. That was deep, man. That was deep. And it is sad. Peter, 
stood for was a was a beautiful way of showing that how even though we can screw up at times, we have a chance to repent and get right with God to forsake our shortcomings that had us repenting in the first place. And he will help us with our shortcomings to forsake those sins that easily entangle us. While Judas was a warning and a byword to what happens when we love money, try to love money and Jesus. We will end up portraying Jesus. Okay. Um, that's about it. And uh, if you want to check out the audio podcast on my Spotify, Fight to the Finish, you can check that out too. Uh, please hit a like and uh, it will help the video get pushed into the algorithm and that others might be blessed by this uh, podcast. Okay, that's it for now. Peace and God bless. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.